Episode 314. It's three, it's one, and it's four. It's the ENS Labs Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Judy. Delighted to be joined by Mr. Liam Keane. Liam, how the devil are you? How was your Halloween? Was it spooktacular, my friend? No. No. Halloween's for children. Liam there you go. That's that's all I need to say. And I've already you, got you choking um, on my words. I've, yeah, I'm still getting over my cold from last week. Actually, I've got um, some Kleenex tissues in the um, in the old uh, study today. So <laughs> study today because my nose is a little bit full. So I'll I'll, I'll I'll get through, mate. I'll get through it. Do you not get any um, any people knocking at the door? Um, we did. Well, as I said on the last party, it is my mum's. Mm birthday on the 30th. Yes. So we it was her 60th. So that was more... Oh, you had your day out, didn't you? And Dishoom was... Do you enjoy your Dishoom yes, breakfast? Yes, yes. I mean, that was a bit more important. I mean, this Dishoom breakfast I thought was absolutely superb. Excellent. Great, first, great breakfast. First time I had it, I thought it was beautiful. Mm, um, like that. What did you go for? I went for the, the big... I think they call it like the wrestler's naan or something like that. It's oh, got bacon, that. sausage and egg in it. The jujitsu naan. <laughs> exactly. And it was unbelievable. Oh, super. So I really enjoyed that. Love that. Um, Cocktail making? I was full for, till dinner, basically, after that. Yeah, Um, yeah, it just sorts you out, doesn't it? Yeah, cocktail making was actually really good. Oh. Really good fun. What was your, uh, what was your pièce de résistance? We, we got to make our own at the end, and it was like, I did some sort of like, orange, uh, gin, rum, sort of, tropical concoction. Oh, sounds absolutely grim. It was nice. It was good. <laughs> it was really okay. Good. Um, no, yeah, that, that was that was good fun. And then yeah, went to uh, Fumo in Birmingham, the Italian place, and that was so. A lot, a lot of footballers go there, don't they? I think it's a very popular destination. But I've never been. Is it decent? Is it worth it? Or is it a bit chainy? No, I think I think it was worth it. I thought it was really nice. Really, Did you go really pizza good. pasta? Yeah, because it's like sort of a um, tapas kind of style so oh, okay. you, you order sort of loads of different plates so yeah me and Rosie shared a few plates between us and it was yeah it was um, actually pretty good I'm always if I go to an Italian I'm always kind of like stable I want like a good bruschetta to start with or Ooh. or a really good fresh burrata like a good solid burrata with olive oil there a few pine nuts a few toasted sea oh mate fantastic but then if I'm really indulging I like to go for a bolognese but with ragu you know your proper mincemeat rich sauce that's what you want I think that's delicious you've got to go all out I can't remember which sauce it was or which sorry which cheese it was but there was one um, ravioli that had Ooh. black truffle and it was oh. some, sort of, some sort of white cheese I can't remember what it was but that was unbelievable oh magnificent that was right on my street so yeah no really really good so yeah it was a good day out a nice day out and then um, and then Tuesday itself was my mum's actual birthday so we went over and we um, got some uh, got some food in at the house, and got, uh, we went and got a cake made at a nice place in um, in Leamington nearby, and uh, brought that over and <coughs> got a few presents and all that. So we, that was the, sort of the focus. And there was mm. there was you know trick or treaters in the area, but no one dare knock on our house because we don't put any oh. we don't put any decorations. That we well, we didn't. Any. I mean, I didn't. We didn't have anything going either. To be honest, no, it was quiet. Yeah, it was really quiet. quiet. Yeah, I sent you a little picture last night of the old uh, Shea Judah. Um, so we had holograms coming out of the three windows in the in the in the first floor of the old house, which were coming out and being projected onto the street. Um, we had two or three Frankenstein monsters. There were witches 
brooms all the way coming up the path, um, along with tea lights of little pumpkins. There were spiders in the trees. There was a boombox of horror shrieks throughout the night that was hidden in the porch. Uh, we had a smoke machine going, and I was dressed up as Pennywise, Pennywise, scaring people from behind. As Alana answered the door, I went round the side, snick it behind the car, and waited for them to come out to to scare them. Um, you know, shitless. And uh, apart <laughs> from that, it was um, it was it was quite nice. Full full size bars, by the way, all full size bars. I think we went through about. I'm going to say. 70 to 80 pounds worth of chocolate. Oh, mate, this is outrageous. Um, we had, so we did a count this year, we did a head count this year of people. We might have been two or three out because it got late. The last, the first ones arrived at five, ten past five, and the last ones finished at quarter past nine. Um, and in that period, we had 87 people who came to the house. I couldn't <laughs> deal with it, mate. I can't be dealing with that. I mean, uh, yeah. The mask was I, I, good. I had the balloon, I had the torch, we had the strobe lighting. There was, It nearly descended into anarchy. I'll be honest, I've oh, got God. to be honest with you, I might not have been able to do this podcast because I might have been in jail. <laughs> okay. I might, have been, I might have been locked up overnight. Okay, please explain. And by the way, so, before you explain, you need yeah. to, at some point, with me yeah. or uh, or on Twitter, share a yeah. picture of what you were wearing last night as well. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that pressure on you right now. Okay, I might it's do, I might done. do. Yeah, the, the, the balloon's still still up anyway, to be fair, so it's still going. I might have to do that later on. Um, so it gets, it gets to about 7.30 at night, and obviously, by the way, you, you, you're eating the chocolate as you're giving them out, aren't you? I must, have had a, I must have had a lot of chocolate last night. I mean, I've just had a, I've just had a dark mint... Kit Kat for my breakfast with my coffee it was delicious, but I think you do that with Halloween, and I give myself that off. I'm in the gym later on; it's fine. And you get so yeah, about half eight at night, and you know you're getting into a bit more of the older crew because when the younger crew come, you know the four, five, six year olds, obviously scared, so scared they don't want to come up to the house, so they're a bit nervous. The mum and dads come up, so I can't really scare them properly. So I normally <laughs> answer the door and say it's okay, you know, take a big handful, you know, we're all nice here. And the mum and dads are like, oh, I love your decorations, and then the kids go away slightly scared, but they've got the chocolate fine. When it gets to your seven o'clock, and so you get your older people, you know, you get your groups, and you get your people who think they're a bit too cool for school. That's when I think I'm gonna get you. So I'd had a couple of good scares. And we gauge it because I obviously have a bit of a, a camera to see who's coming up the drive to see whether I can answer the door or whether I go behind Alana and I go down the side, snick it to answer, scare some people. There were these two girls about 8.30 and they were about 12, 12, 4, 13, 14 or something like that. And I think as they do it now, as the cool kids do it, wasn't, it's not like you used to go down the street and that was it. People are now on WhatsApp groups and they're texting their friends from school saying, oh, go to this house, go to this address. And the mum and dads drive them around now for the good houses and then they miss out all the rubbish ones. So we had a lot of cars coming by, um, stopping, taking videos of the house and the kids get out, they go and do the trick or treat and they get back in the car. So these two girls come up about 8.30 and I'm like, brilliant, perfect scare material. Alana answers the door. I make sure that I hear the door, the, the smoke goes. They're all a bit scared. They all say, oh, thank you very much. That's really nice. Hear the door close. I'm behind the car at this point. I'm ready. And, you know, I've got the evil clown mask. I've got the red balloon. It's the, the strings going. I've got the torch ready to go. Wanna play? Which they'll, you know, obviously is... <laughs> that was terrifying. It's a little bit... Yeah. 
<laughs> a little bit, little bit freaky, but something that um, obviously goes on very, very well. So they get to towards the end of the drive, and I fell over a little bit. So I, I've lost a step. <laughs> what? I've lost, I've lost a step. I've lost a clown shoe, and uh, I'm like, well, I'm going to get these people. Okay, they've, they've got their back turned to me, but that's fine now because you know that's even more if I go behind them and get it. So they're just about to go out the drive, and I'm, I tiptoe across, turn the light on, turn the torch on my face. Wanna play? They turn around. They absolutely scream the street down. I mean, they are absolutely mortified. Their car's waiting for them on the other side of the road for mum and dad. They shoot across the, the, the drive. They shoot across the road. And as they shot across the road, another car's coming. Oh, no. And I've just seen it go so close to them. Thankfully, it wasn't going quickly and stopped. But I'm like... Oh my god! I mean, they could have both absolutely gone head over heels, and that would have been steady into the night. Two deaths at Shea Judah outside. <laughs> I mean, there'd have been a knock on the door. I could have been in the cell. I'd probably get away with manslaughter, and you know, uh, you know, I might, I might get my job back in a couple of years' time. But thankfully, all's well that ends well. It stopped. It was only getting twenty miles an hour. They got back in the car. Everyone's a winner. But yeah, there could have been some real blood on the old on the old Judah Drive. <laughs> I'm not sure if you'd even get done for that. I think you're fine. Do you think? I mean, the parents would be great, would they? I mean, they're seen in front of their eyes, Pennywise chasing the two daughters out onto the street of um, of Dorridge. I mean, yeah, I, it, it doesn't sound like you chased them. It sounds like you jumped out and they 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 chose to run. I think it's on them. Let yeah, them I mean, I stayed in my drive. I stayed in my I stayed yeah, in my drive. Exactly, to be fair, yeah, oh, it's their fault then. Oh, bugger yeah, them. Then. Yeah, I mean, had had they been hit, I might not have been so relaxed about this uh, this, this conversation. But um, yeah, look at the door. It's the police, Nathan. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Come been there before. Oh, definitely have, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, that was my that was my Halloween story. Better go on to Wolves then. But first of all, I, I do want to do want to mix in. I know you know we're nine minutes in, but whatever. You, you know the drill. You can fast forward ten minutes if you want. Um, Liam Keane, there's a lot of people asking on the old on the old questions. How's it going? How's your house debacle? There's been an update. There's been a new update. Liam Keane, Shay Keane House Watch, currently still staying at your sister's. What's the situation? Liam Key. Update. Update. It's exciting. And it is good news. Ooh. We're back, baby. We're back? We have a offer agreed on a different property. Oh. We are, we're on our way. Oh, we're flying. Now. So we've moved on from the um, the old property that fell through and uh, and we're, we're ploughing ahead with, with the new one. So yeah, no. Oh. Yeah, well, really, I mean, it was quick. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it mm. was... Six days after um, after it all fell through, we, we viewed probably fifteen, maybe a, maybe slightly more properties in the, in the space of four days or so. Yeah, um, and yeah, we we love this other one, so we we made uh, an offer, a bit of back and bit of back and forth, bit of negotiation, and uh, I think we've got a decent deal. So so where can't is complain. it? Uh, it's going to be in Warwick, so we're, we're, I'm not not moving to Stratford anymore. It's still still not Wolverhampton, nice. I'm afraid. But um, what's, the, uh, what, what's the road? Yeah, I'll, I'll maybe I'll save the road for for, for what's another the time. <laughs> what's, the, what's the postcode, lad? So, um, so yeah, so yeah, we're we're buzzing. So hopefully, oh, congrats! Um, thank you very much. Um, it, it, there's no guarantees, but we're going to try our best to get in for for Christmas if we can. So let's uh, let's see how that goes. Plowing away, love it, mate. I mean, there'll be plenty of plowing when you get to back to your own place. That's Crikey, poor, that. that's poor. That oh, wow, chica, wow, wow, but accurate. <laughs> <laughs> You're sharing it with someone else, are you? Uh, <laughs> right, uh, Wolves 2. 
Newcastle United 2, 11 minutes, 48 seconds. That could be a record. Apologies. I'm not apologising. I don't care. Um, Lima. Plenty to talk about in this game. Uh, but I was thoroughly entertained. And this was almost... It's almost a retro game for me. The atmosphere, the comeback, you know, an enjoyable game to watch. Dare I say it? Dare I say it? It had little bits of elements of the Nuno era in the, in the way the game kind of just unfolded, be, you know, before our eyes. It was it was a pleasure to watch. Yes, they could have won the game. They could have maybe lost the game. But I thought they, they were the better side, Wolves. And overall, I think everyone came away from that 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 game soaked. But also, pretty pleased in what they saw. I mean, they got full value for money for me. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to mention Nuno and, and the sort of feeling around the game. And I don't think you can get too carried away. But it's definitely got a little bit of that, hasn't it? And This is a long way they've come from, from three to four weeks ago, when, like you said, when we were doing that podcast. And, and to be honest, a long way that Wolves have come in the last couple of seasons, really. Because albeit, mm-hmm. yes, under Bruno, they had the season where they were going for Champions League, etc. It was never exciting. It was never... Um, particularly the best football, it was quite, you know, 1-0s here and there, 1-1s, you know, it was very low scoring, um, wasn't going to get you off your seat. Was it successful? Of course it was, albeit at the end of the season, didn't go as planned, but it wasn't good to watch particularly. Uh, and obviously we all know what happened last season. So they've come a long way in general um, and, and under Gary Neal in particular. And, and Newcastle were almost the perfect dance partner for Wolves on Saturday because... Oh, I love that. I love that. Have you used that somewhere? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so let's get that in again. Oh, I love that. Where did you use dance that? Partner. You know, we're, we're both boxing fans and, uh, you know, so that's, that's a phrase that's, that's used quite a lot in that. So yeah, look, let's throw it in there. Um, they're, a good, they're a good club, Newcastle. They have a good following, especially away from home. The fans make a decent atmosphere and noise. Mix that in with Wolves obviously playing well at the moment. It's a 5.30, it gets dark fairly early now, Molyneux under the lights, the kind of atmospheres we're used to at Molyneux in those kind of circumstances. It was almost, as I say, the perfect opponent in having Newcastle to to come down and make it a spectacle. And I thought it was. I thought as a neutral, anyone who was watching that that didn't support either club, I think, would have enjoyed the game. For both yeah. sets of fans, it was an enjoyable game. And the point was probably fair on the balance of um, of how the whole game unfolded. But there's an argument to say that, you know, with certain other decisions going Wolves' way or maybe even on the balance of Wolves' performance, maybe Wolves could have taken three points. But what I will come away with saying as what I think is as close to a fax as you can be in what is an opinion is that in previous seasons, in the last two uh, seasons, and maybe even earlier this season, Wolves would have lost that game 2-1, without a doubt. And it feels now that there's mm-hmm. a different element mentally with this squad where they're not giving up they're coming back into games they've bought fully into Gary O'Neill and how they're playing and then tactically Gary (laughs) O'Neill is is pretty spot on so um, I've been really impressed last few weeks and and Wolves were were definitely good value for for the point and I think it's a good point against a very good team I'm not going to go over the the goals that Wolves conceded I mean we, we we talked about it in the post-match analysis about, about Jose Sars handling. He's got to do better there. It wasn't when it was absolutely pouring down cats and dogs. <clears throat> One second. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm getting old, mate. I'm getting old. Okay, this could this could be something that's going to be happening every week. Um, but uh, hopefully I'll hopefully I'll get rid of it by next week. I apologise, mate. I just think we're getting older. I'm just picking up stuff every single every left, left in the left, right, and centre. It's horrible, mate. Horrible. Um, 
Alana's fed up of me coughing in bed in the night. Horrendous. Um, but now let's not go over the handling and the VAR. Look, I think we've all seen it again now. I mean, we've seen, talked about, I think, on Sky and a lot of others saying it's a disgraceful decision. I mean, look, at the time I thought it was kind of marginal. I've seen it again now. It's very difficult when it's real time, isn't it? Because you'd, even the monitor that we've got is very small. And I think when you get to see it at different angles, I mean, it, it's obviously um, they've got away with one. I think Eddie Howe was, was pretty um, kind of sheepish, wasn't he, in his, in his post-match press conference as well about the penalty. So frustrating, really, because Callum Wilson... I, actually didn't have much of a kick in the game, apart from those two chances, and then scored, and scored two goals. But what I do want to talk about, Liam, is that second goal. I mean, I think that's my favourite goal of the season so far, genuinely. I know the Neto, Neto's goal was great, I think. Was it a Luton yeah, kind of solo was, yeah. effort? That was a great goal. Um, but just the just the movement in this game and, and what Totti does. And I, I knew Totti did well at the time, but watching it again... Two or three fantastic, you know, phases of playaways kept the ball and released Huang, and then the finish. It was in front of the South Bank, you know, to come back the second time to come back in the game in the absolute pouring rain. I thought it was against the Champions League opposition. For me, it was the, my favourite goal of the season so far. Yeah, and it was also the way that the way the goal was scored, which we went over in the video after the game. I mean, the composure, the intelligence, uh, and just the finishing in general from Huang. I think is absolutely magnificent. Um, obviously everything with Totti leading up to as well is brilliant but then it's the the celebrations in the fact that it's again under the lights at Molyneux in front of the South Bank it's going to be a good celebration and a good video and a good moment for Wolves and, and the noise was a, was amazing amazing but what I loved probably more than anything from that goal was the way that the players celebrated with Huang mm-hmm. um, that for me speaks volumes as to how far this team has come under Gary O'Neill but also in general uh, and it harks back to the same points we've been making that there's a, a real almost togetherness with this team now. I think there's confidence and belief in what the manager's doing as well as abilities within the squad. And I'd, I thought it was a really good moment. And, it, it, you know, the idea that three or four... I, I think this might seem like a strange thing to bring up, but the, the idea that three or four players did the same knee slide that Huang did and almost celebrated the goal as if they'd scored it themselves. I think that is the kind of celebration you want to see from a team and I know the, the context of the game it was what le- early to mid 70s in the in terms of minutes and it was an equaliser and um, it was a you know a, a big moment in terms of the game but it was just the way Wolves celebrated it I thought was was, was quite telling um, so I really enjoyed that and, and Wolves probably well I say probably very easily could have gone on to win that game and obviously the the injury to Neto happened at a time when they were on top and and had a chance but a point was I thought fair um, against a very good team and, and Wolves are in a really good place right now and and it's important to note that there won't be good places all the way through the season and that's not being negative but you've got to enjoy it while it's here and then understand the process when it isn't here and I think Wolves are in a, in a position where they can they they can deal with the bad scenarios when they do come because I'm I'm sure there's something around the corner and I'm not harking I'm not uh, looking ahead to, to, to Saturday and, and Sheffield United just yet but I'm sure there'll be something around the corner that, that won't be quite going to plan is Huang Hee Chan in the best form of his Wolves career? Oh, easily, easily. I mean, when he, when he first arrived at Wolves, it was obviously, um, you know, scored his debut, didn't he, at Watford? He had a really um, good start, didn't he, before yeah, he got he, injured. I, I forgot where that first injury was. Might have been at Brighton, I might it, be wrong. I, I think it was Brighton, because I think it was around Christmas time, was it? or It was just about when year. they were, co- and they committed to, to buying, didn't they? Yeah, um, I yeah. I think just so around that around period. Then, 
It, it was definitely a, um, I think it was a wintry midweek, yeah. I think, or something, wasn't it, at Brighton? Um, and then he came back, then he came on, then he came back, then he came on, and it was that, that stop-start. And when he came back yeah. from his injury, even though he has had been played with, with injuries since, or, you know, after that, he wasn't the same player. And, you know, people were questioning when they committed to, to I think it was £10 million, correct me if I'm wrong, About 12, at the end of that £12 million at the end of that season. Obviously, there was a long way to go. They could have waited till the end of that season to make that decision, but I think Jeff made it very early on, and everybody was like, at the time, at the time he was he was doing great, and then when he when he came back from injury, he was was not the same player. I mean, he was miles off the pace, really struggling with his form, really struggling with his fitness, in and out the side, and you're thinking, my God, what have they done here? Committing twelve million quid to him? They could have just waited till the end of the summer, but the fee went through, and I think now there's been obviously glimpses of what he can do, and we've said for a long time that he's the best finisher, natural finisher in this squad. But the level that he's playing at, at this moment in time, this season, is absolutely superb. To be among the, the top scorers in the Premier League is difficult at any time. To be, you know, to score more than, than the last four or five seasons, top score already is is great for his confidence. And I'm, I think, and I don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, but I think we're starting to see someone who could be actually a very special Premier League player, not just for Wolves, but in the Premier League. I think he's, I think he's got the attributes, and other teams have courted him as well. Remember Liam, yes. you know, when he, during during these during the windows, where people think, oh, interesting in Huang, and like maybe almost it's a little bit of a surprise, but they've seen it. Three managers have seen it who have who have, who have had Huang before and wanted to start him when he was fit, and I think if he can stay fit, and it's a big if again. I think we're seeing someone who is very special in terms of the whole of the Premier League here. Yeah, I think there's a, as you there's a, as you just said there's a reason why other clubs and managers and previous Wolves managers have all been a big fan of him. And it's not just the fact that he works hard and I think he's tactically quite intelligent, but I think there's real quality there and he's got, he's got really good finishing ability. And we saw that in his early parts of his Wolves career, the finishing and the run he went on and, and the partnership him and Raoul had. Um, had struck up, albeit fairly briefly, in the context of the season, but it was still a you know an exciting moment when he first arrived at Wolves. And the reason being is that he's a very very good footballer. He's a quality footballer who has struggled for form and fitness, as you said. And I think he needs a little bit, maybe a little bit of a confidence player, someone who needs mm-hmm. an arm around his shoulder. And he's in that moment now where everything he touches turns to gold. Oh, now, look at the, get that in the headline as well, lad. <laughs> Come on. No, again, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm trying to be realistic. There will be points where he maybe will go in a little bit of a run where he's not quite at his best. And if I'm being brutally honest, last two games he's not been at his best performance-wise. He's not been particularly bad, but it hasn't been quite sticking for him. But there's a, a marker of what is a good team or a good individual player, and that is when it's not going quite to plan in terms of performance you still step up in the big moments. Now, Huang's ball into Kalajic for the winner at Bournemouth was exquisite. I thought it was superb and, and probably went a little bit understated, really, um, in the context of the game. And then his win, oh, his equaliser, sorry, against uh, against Newcastle. Again, composure, quality, everything you need to, uh, to equalise a game. So I thought in those two moments, massive, massive moments in both games, he stepped up perfectly at a time when he wasn't, as I say, performing particularly badly but he certainly wasn't as effective as he has been this season overall in his performances and that for me is a mark of a really really good player and a really good moment and he now needs to take those moments further consistently in other scenarios where he isn't <laughs> quite performing because he'll have games where he's not quite on it or he's not quite getting into the game or he's been outmarked or he's not quite tactically working for him mm-hmm. 
and then those are the moments he's got to pop up. I think he's a really, really good player, a really intelligent player. And we've always known this, really, if we're being honest. It's just the injuries and the confidence and the form that haven't quite gone his way. We spoke about it earlier this season on the podcast and, and how good a player we think he is and that he should be looking at 10 Premier League goals this season as a, as a bare minimum. I think he I think he should be looking for more than that really now. But even 10 would be a really good return for where Wolves have been and where he's been in the last few seasons. Yeah, intelligence, you're right in what you say there. And actually, I think, Liam, even when he wasn't having his best game or you know when he maybe has, has a quiet half, the fact that he still makes the runs, the engine on him as well. I mean, he's going to run for you all day long. That I think you can get away with that. You know, if you're a striker and you're playing up top on your own and you 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 know you're not getting the kick of the ball, then I think you almost become the playing with ten. But even when Huang's not maybe on the top of his game, the way that he chases this positioning in games, I think you know it still helps the team in a positive way. And then when he does have that touch, is great. And his finishing is excellent. He's doing a lot with the ball. We talked about it previous years, especially back in the last season. He scored goals back in the last season where it was almost tappings. But you've got to be there. You've got to make those runs. You know, and Wolves haven't had a striker or a forward that have done that for a long time. Wang makes those runs. He gets in the right areas. Um, but this year, like you say, he's taking it on and he's actually having some work to do in games. These aren't just tappings. And, you know, to take the ball, to drag the ball back and, and to finish like that, I think, you know, it's, it was, was, was a brilliant moment for him. And, and don't forget, you know, Juan goes maybe under the radar at times, and I know he's coming to uh, prominence a little bit this season. But when he goes back, Liam, international breaks, I don't think you've seen the videos for South Korea. I know, you know, Hyunmin Son is, is, is massive and probably the most, one of the, the biggest, you know, South Korean star, what a football star in the world. But I tell you what, Juan Hee Chan is not far away. He is getting off that plane into South Korea. Oh, rock star. A rock star. And he's such a humble guy here. And he's signing autographs. And we've talked about him being, you know, late. And he's the last one. You know, whether things were going well for him or not. I mean, I, we talked about me taking a picture of him when things weren't going particularly well for him. Or he's in a pre-season friendly. Or he will still stay. Whether he's scored a hat-trick or he's been sent off, he will still stay and pose for every picture. And that's the kind of person you root for. That's the kind of nice guy that you want in your side who's got that ruthless streak when it comes to finishing. Because when he comes back, he is, he is like I say, lauded. I mean, you can't get... There's 10, 20, 30 people deep of people following him around. I mean, he is, he is absolutely gold star status. And there's coach loads of South Korean fans coming to Molyneux to watch him as well. You know, he's... Absolutely, really is, yeah. Absolutely massive over there. And um, oh, um, can you imagine Wolves v Spurs? Crikey, <laughs> it's going to have half South Korea know, in there. I know. Um, and, I, and I don't know whether because I've never been to South Korea. I, I, obviously, we, well, we, we nearly we nearly went, mate. We, we nearly went, went and we close. were absolutely buzzing to go because I'd love to go there. Oh, I was um, so looking forward to it. And I, I don't. I'll be brutally honest. I don't know many South Korean people. I, I've not been around the culture as much, and I might be speaking out of turn here. But I look at. Son and I look at Huang and I look at them um, obviously I've, I've not been around Son very much but I've been around Huang a little bit you know seen him at the training ground mm. obviously we've both seen him at, at yeah. Molyneux I've spoken to people around the club I've, I've interviewed him about two or three times so I've been a, around him a little bit and from what I can tell is that exactly what you just said there in terms of attitude and the way that he spends time with fans and, and, and who he is as a person it's not only is he a top quality footballer but he just comes across like a really, really good guy who's really good in the dressing room, really mm -hmm. easy to work with. And that seems to be the same looking from the outside with Son. Maybe it's a cultural thing, a respect <laughs> thing. I don't know exactly what it is. And maybe I'm just 
you know, with, something we can learn a lot from. Let's be honest. <laughs> so maybe not South just, Korea not, are just lucky that people, yeah. Maybe they're just lucky that the two biggest players um, for them and the two players in the Premier League are two, you know, good role models. But um, it, it's just really impressive to watch him, not just on the pitch but off it as well, and the way mm. that he acts. And look, you, even from a media point of view, he's done interviews, I say, with with me and, and other media as well after games. But every game now, pretty much without fail, whether it's home or away. There is some South Korean media that come to watch, and there's yeah. some that are UK based, and will either do Son or him, and I think they split right. between them, and they and they mm-hmm. go either home and away without fail. Or I think every game this season, or at least ninety percent of the games, there's a, some sort of South Korean media there, and I, I don't think I've seen a time yet when he hasn't spoken to them. No. Now, obviously, fans might not read too much into you know whether a player speaks to the media or not, but I think I think anyway, it's really important that. It doesn't have to be every week, but a player comes out and speaks and gives the fans something and gives back a little bit. I think mm. it's important. Son, he does nothing. Sorry, Son Huang does nothing but give, give, give. I, I, every time I, I see him, he is doing something for somebody else, and um, I've heard nothing but good things from you know in the training ground and, and around the, the, the team in the dressing room. I think he's a really good character and a really good footballer, and both those things together is a, a match made in heaven. Spoke a lot of time about Huang, but I, I think I, I quite like a Huang loving section. I, I like it, and I think it's nice that we get to speak about him on a, you know, on a, on a bit of a longer basis because he deserves it. And you know, you root for good things happen to good people, Liam. Put it that way. Absolutely. So, um, look, and and they're going to be re- not relying on him, but he will have to continue that because I've got to come on to I guess the disappointing thing, well, deeply disappointing thing about the end of the afternoon, the end of the evening, um, and that was Pedro Neto and, and the hamstring. Um, Look, I mean, Neto again, and the assist and the lead assist maker in the Premier League. Wolves are going to be without him for for the next two games minimum, and that's 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 for certain. He's been playing again, and these two guys have been playing to such a high level, and it's a pleasure. I'll be interested to see actually what shirt, how many from the shirt sales point of view, whether Neto or Huang are the top two. Whether there's anyone else in there, I might I might try and find that out this week. Maybe the top five shirt sellers up in the Wolf Shop. Um, it'd be interesting to know. But these two have been great, um, and oh, Neto has been has been brilliant again in the best form of his Wolf's career. Um, consistently back to full fitness, and we kept on saying Liam, "Gotta stay fit, gotta stay fit, gotta stay fit." And look, it's not as bad as what we think potentially. It's not a it's not like a, a six weeker. We don't think. Um, you know, SA's out with a, a long, long-term hamstring, so the different grades of hamstring pulls and tears. But at the same time, it was a, that's a brutal end to the game for Wolves. Yeah, and the, I, I sort of mentioned it already, but the timing of it as well, because it was not only was it a, a chance as he was coming through on goal and had cut inside, but it was a a time when Wolves were on top in the game, and it felt like they could have gone on and got, on, and got to win it at that point. So, short term with the game, terrible. And then equally long term, or however long term it is, with his injury, terrible. Because Wolves need Pedro Neto. They haven't got a wealth of uh, of wingers in the squad. He's clearly the most influential and, and important player, and has been all season. And um, the last thing you want to do is lose your best players. Obviously, looking at his social media posts and, and the way that Gary O'Neill reacted after the game, um, seems like it's not as serious, which would indicate that it isn't a tear and it's and it's a strain and probably a low grade strain. Uh, of course, we'll find a bit more out hopefully on Friday in the in the press conference, if not before then. So, um, you, to your point, I think the likelihood of him playing in these next two games is, is before finding out on Friday, of course. But speaking right now on Wednesday, it seems very slim, 
and then the international break comes up. So maybe that the timing of that will be okay for Wolves, and it won't be too long after that. But um, losing him for any minute of any game in the way that he's playing at the moment is going to be a massive blow, and um, mm. not just because of how he's playing, but um, yeah, as I say, the 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 lack of replacements for him, not just from a positional point of view, but also how do you replace someone as good as Pedro Neto? I think. To Gary O'Neill's point, there's not many clubs in the Premier League that can do, and those that do uh, are going for the title. Yeah, I mean, look, he's um, he's been brilliant this season. We've we've, we've absolutely praised him to the hilt. Uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the tweet, Liam. Um, of course, when your best player pulls up with a hamstring strain, a lot of people are going to be talking about it. You're not going to not talk about it. You're not, you know, you're going to be saying, "Oh, this is this is obviously terrible news for Wolves going forward." And you know, instantly when he when he pulls up like that, he gets carried off on a stretcher that he's going to be missing. Multiple weeks, you know, it's not going to be. It's only back next weekend unless there's something crazy that happens. So, of course, in in you know, in tweets, in in post-match analysis videos, um, you know, asking Gary O'Neill, the media have got to talk about it. They've got to not not speculate with how long he's gone. He's going to be out for, but you know, we said that pretty much um, nailed on that he's going to miss at least two weeks of action before the international break. And Pedro did put a tweet out. Um, this was his tweet that he put out. 4.41 on the 29th, um, so this was the next day, next afternoon. He said, apart from all the noise, I'm here to say that I will be out for a couple of weeks, but very soon I will be out there stronger than before, already focused on my recovery, see you soon, which is which is great. And, you know, he's obviously very positive. It's the update that fans wanted to, to hear. Fa- fabulous news. Um, there's a couple of points I want to discuss about that, Liam, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but... I think it's important to, to have a chat, and especially when we're on the media side of things as well. So, um, like I say, I'm a huge fan of Pedro Neto. I think it's absolutely great. Um, first of all, he's out for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure how impressed the medical department will be that he tweeted that out the next day. I might be wrong, but if you have Pedro Neto, a huge part of his improvement this year, not only about staying fit and, and his finishing, but he was back to 100%. He'd got that pace back. You know, I was at Fulham when he broke that kneecap. Freak injury, the patella. And he never got back to the same kind of pace. This was the first season we've seen him where he was at 100% full pace. Hamstring injuries can be very, very tricky. And you've got to look after them because you need Pedro Neto not at 80%, not at 90%. Because of his pace, you've seen balls that have gone three or four yards He's got to make up on the defender and he's beating them by a yard because of that pace. So you've got to look after it. So I'm not sure whether the medical department will be so excited for him to say, I'll be back in two weeks. Second of all, as you've just said, Liam, the international breaks after that. So really, I mean, he's not going to be going away for international duty, I don't think. So realistically, it's a month. It's four weeks, isn't it? Because you have the third week, which is the international week, then the fourth week, which you go to, which is... I believe it's Fulham. Is it Fulham away? Yeah, I think it would yeah, be that yeah. game. So I think that's realistically the game that he's going to be aiming for, which is four weeks, not two. But optimistic, you know, two sounds better than four. I get it. That's absolutely fine. We can talk about that till the cows come home. But the first bit of it, apart from all the noise, I'm here to say, I'm not quite sure what he means by that. Now, whether that's a dig at the media or people discussing the injury um, or speculating about how long he'll be out for. I mean, I don't think anyone, I read anyone um, in a negative light saying he's going to be out for ages or four, six or eight, or this is the same Pedro Neto keeps on getting injured. So I just felt like that was a strange way to start the tweet. Um, I understand that he's, you know, he's obviously frustrated and he wants to get back on the pitch as soon as possible, but this isn't like a, 
an us versus them situation. We're all pulling in the same direction. So it's a bit of a strange one. And I know you maybe thought the same, Liam, before we kind of had a bit of a chat on Sunday. There was a bit of a strange way to word the tweet saying, apart from all the noise, because I think all the noise has been very positive towards Pedro Neto and hoping and praying that it wasn't too serious. Yeah, I've given the benefit of the doubt slightly in the first part of my answer in that I think it is him in a... uh, a one-track tunnel mindset. He's, you know, he's almost is the us against them. It's I'm not thinking of anyone else. I'm thinking of me. I'm thinking of Wolves. I'm thinking I'm focusing on coming back. It's almost that kind of mindset which players get into, and for a lot of players that find form, will need that kind of mindset. So I, I don't necessarily begrudge him having that. I think that's probably a good thing in terms of his on-field performance. Um, but it does make people think, and it made us think. Whether it is a, I don't, I don't think it's any individuals in particular. No. Whether it's a, a dig at the media in general for discussing him and asking Gary Neal about him and being concerned about him with that injury. Um, but there's lots of good reasons to be concerned about him and rattle him off quickly. He's had injury issues in the past mm-hmm. and he's Wolves' his best player this season. They're the two main ones straight away. Exactly. Um, We're not doing our job if we didn't discuss it. Exactly. We have to discuss it. We have to ask questions about it. We have to express concern over it because you don't know what the injury is when he's walking, or not even walking, he's been stretched off the pitch and he looks distraught, uh, you know, leaving the field of modern you. So I do think it is a strange comment. I really do. And, and you've got to bear this in mind. This is a player for as good as he's been, yeah. does very, very, very little interviews and putting himself out there and mm-hmm. speaking to supporters. And he's and to be honest, considering his importance this season, yeah. he's he's let him down in he's let himself down in that department. And and there'll be a lot of fans listening to this who will probably think that it's sour grapes because he's not stopped for me in the mix zone or whatever it is. And of course I want to speak to Petro Neto, of course I do. I want him to stop in the mix zone because he's Wolves' best player and, mm-hmm. and he has been all season. Yeah. Um and he, you know, he did an interview recently. He's done a little bit of um, broadcast work. This, you know, after games, he'll do um, the rights holders. Broadcasters will request a player, and you know, the, the, the Wolves staff will try and get the player to go. But you know, I can say this now as well. He's not always been the easiest to convince to go and do some broadcast interviews. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. always the easiest to convince to, to go and speak. No. And I think he doesn't have to be forced to do something every single week. But I think the lack of interaction and the lack of speaking to supporters um, is a problem. And you can. can you know, almost control your own narrative if you come out and speak a bit more and, and put yourself out there. I don't think he does that enough. So to make that comment when all of the noise about him has been nothing but positive mm. and be the same player who also then refuses to speak after a game, I think it's... it's you, you can't have your cake and eat it, put it that way. No, look, there'd be a lot of people listening to this going, I don't bloody care if he speaks or not. If he's performing to a high-level wolves, I don't give a crap, boys. But it's important to have an alternative view as well. And, and, and also, you know, when sometimes you'll get... Um, dinged or will get dinged. You've got to speak to that person or ask the right questions. Well, we're making those moves, but at the same time, if we're speaking to people, it's because they're choosing to stop as well and they're choosing to speak to us on a on a consistent basis. Um, we all love Pedro Neto. We all love what he's about. We all love, you know, how good he is. We've said he's Wolves' best player. We've lauded him for, for such a long time on this podcast, which is great, but you've got to sometimes have a a different take on it. And yeah, it's frustrating. And especially going back to when Pedro Neto started this football club. My God, he was a breath of fresh air. And he was playing to the same level then when he started. You had that disallowed goal, do you remember, in that VAR in, in Liverpool a long time ago. But he was playing to such an exceptional level. And he was brilliant with the media. He stopped all the time. He couldn't wait to stop. He was chatting away. He was lively. He was, you know, I, I remember um, he did an interview with Tim on, online and he, and he was great value. And 
and he wanted to speak, he wanted to come out, he was laughing, he was joking, he was stopping. Something's changed a little bit along those lines and maybe it's just, you know, as you do and you become a bit more comfortable and, you know, you've got people around you, maybe different people around you. And yeah, there's, there's definitely a reluctance there to go and stop and do things on a more consistent basis when you are the best player in the team. And if you are the best player in the team, then you're going to be asked pretty much every single week, not by us every single week, but by a broadcast or, you know, a, a broadsheet or, or whoever wants to speak to you, you will you will have an interview request pretty much every single week of the game you play because you are the best player. It happens in all sports. So, yeah, I do feel that maybe there needs to be a little bit more coming back from Pedro Neto because of everything that we do give to him on a consistent basis. A lot of people might think this argument's defunct and it doesn't matter, but I think it's important to discuss, we've just discussed Wang for, for 10, 12 minutes, Liam, and I think... Pedro Neto, 90% of it is positive. But at the same time, it's interesting to have a different viewpoint. And I think that was the time today when we did see that tweet. Just to discuss it a little bit further. Yeah, I think it's important as well because we've got to give from our view of working, covering Wolves and, and what it's like. And and, and and to give these people an insight into what goes yeah, exactly. on. That, that's part of this why this podcast as well. Because we want to bring you guys into the forefront of not just talking about the game that you've all seen, but going into what happens afterwards, those two hours afterwards, what's happening in that press conference room? Liam, when you're in the mix and what's happening? Who's going past? Who's speaking? Who's not? What's happening at the training ground? That's that's why, in inverted commas, we, we, we have a decent podcast. That's why we have fifteen to 20,000 people listening a week because these are the discussions that I think we need to bring. And sometimes it's difficult. I wish it was all great, but and, and maybe we're going on a little bit too much, but I think it's important that we give it that insight as well. And I think the club understand that too. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not. It's definitely not a dig at um, any anyone working for Wolves as to why Pedro won't stop. Because, as I've hinted at already, I think there's a lot of people that um, find it difficult to get him to do with the stuff as it is anyway. So I, I, I don't envy them at all. You know, they, I mean, it's, it's not it's, the only one. Bloody hell, Jean Martinio, uh, Willy Bolly. I mean, they, 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 there's a long agree. line yeah, of yeah. them. There's a long, there's a long line in modern in modern football, unfortunately. But you just use the comparison then. I'll, I'll very quickly use it mm-hmm. as well. Sure. We've just spoken about Huang. Mm-hmm. I, I just said a few minutes ago. He is always giving, 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 whether it's supporters, interviews, him as a person and the way he carries himself, he's giving. Unfortunately, and I completely agree with you, it is 90% nothing but positive praise of Pedro Neto all the time because of the way he's playing at the moment. And I will continue to do that because he's been absolutely magnificent. 100%, yeah, agreed. But I've got to I've got to be honest to myself and I've got to be honest with the, with the listeners. And, and when I feel there's a criticism that's valid, I'm going to say it. There are plenty of times, the majority of times, unfortunately, um, after games, when Pedro Neto is nothing but take, take, take in comparison mm-hmm. to, to Huang. Unfortunately, it's the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like it if there was a bit more balance um, from him and maybe taking a bit more of the, the mantle of other players. Look, Max Kilman, he's the captain. I think he, he, he does quite a lot, to be honest. I think maybe he's not done a little bit for a few weeks, but for the most part, I've got no complaints with Max Kilman. And when he does come out and talk, and I used the example on a podcast recently when um, Ruben Neves refused to speak after the, um, the the loss at Brighton last season. Uh, 6-0, wasn't it, that loss there? Yeah. Max Kilman came over and agreed to speak to me at a time when he didn't have to take the uh, the brunt of what was a terrible performance and, and, and result. And so sure. I've got no complaints with him. But there's other ones as well that, that, that don't do it anywhere near enough. And, and, and I think that... The fans deserve better. It's not just a case of, yes, I would love to speak to this player, this player, this player, this player. I think fans also want to hear from players and not hear from them um, when it's a controlled environment. You hear mm-hmm. from them when I, I or anyone else, it doesn't have to be me, obviously, has the opportunity to ask them 
questions that might be difficult as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair enough, and hopefully people understand our opinion there, and, and it's a balanced opinion, but a different a different way of attacking it today and uh you know hopefully it was uh, interesting if it's not then fast forward and get rid uh right premier league table baby wolverhampton wanderers liam keen 12th in the table play 10 points 12 exactly the same as chelsea football club um but people don't want to know about 12th liam they want to know about where they are in the glob mini league where are wolves in the glob mini league well i'll tell you where they are where do you think they are liam well, if they're twelfth, mm. does that make them top of the glob? Do you know what? They were very close to being top. However, they're second because oh. Brentford went to went and won at Chelsea. Nathan Collins is Brentford. Clean sheet at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Brentford top of the glob mini league number one, thirteen points from ten. Wolves second, joint second, with Crystal Palace and Fulham on twelve. So fifth, um, including those teams. Everton, 10 from 10. 6th, Nottingham Forest, 10 from 10. 7th, Bournemouth, 6 from 10. And 8th, Burnley, 4 from 10. Discounting Sheffield United, 1 point. Discounting Luton, 5 points. Who, by the way, ironically, are both in the bottom 3 as we speak. So, this is really good, Liam. Um, This is giving, I think this is almost, dare I say it, I think that every single... Well, I think Gary O'Neill, if he was given, with the start they had, 12 points in the first 10, 12th in the table, with fixtures to come of... Lost them now, but they've got winnable games. Sheffield United, Fulham, Burnley, and someone else crappy as well. Who was it? <laughs> crappy. In the next six. Incredible. Um, um, Nottingham Forest at home. Um, so four out of the next six, which you think, winnable games... Well, Spurs at home, I don't think is writing it off. And of course, Arsenal away is going to be very, very difficult. You've got to understand that, fair enough. But four out of the next six, 12th in the table, getting rid of a lot of those big big sides, Liam, I think that's pretty much bite your hand off territory for Gary O'Neill, for Jeff Shee, and probably for the majority of Wolves fans the way that this season started. Yeah, 100%. And that last bit of your sentence there, the way the season started is exactly why... Uh, well, one of the major reasons why it is a really, really good return. And I completely agree that it 100% snap your arm right off <laughs> for that. And you would do if you got me in the ring, apparently. No, honestly, mate. You'd be, you'd be, on the mat or whatever it is. I don't mat, know what you call mate, it. On the mat. You'd be the mat. Um, because, look, Gary Neal arrived four days before that game on Monday yeah. night away at yeah. Old Trafford. That is the reality of the situation. Wolves had sold a lot of players, bought very little. Changed manager right before the season started. And he's managed some exceptionally good um, results, very good performances, and a bit of consistency in these last five games where they've gone unbeaten. Obviously, that first one is of those five is Luton. Um, but they still recovered from a very poor first 35 minutes and going down to 10 men to, to get a point. So, uh, overall, it's been a really, really good start. And credit goes to Gary O'Neill and the players. Um again, for both working with each other to the point where they've managed to create this consistency. I think it's been really impressive. And they do have an opportunity to to push on and uh, with some of the, the, the games coming up, I think they've got a really good opportunity in front of them. But I, I, I'm going to stick with the prediction I've had about where, where they'll finish this season because they, again, I don't want to sound negative because I, I just think this is realistic. There will be times where they're going to struggle. They'll have difficult, difficult runs, difficult performances, difficult results. Overall, 
if Wolves finished 13th this season, I think considering where they were, the majority of people would have 100% taken that. And I think that, I think that would still be, regardless of the context right now, a really, really good return from Gary O'Neill. I think he'll be delighted and I'm sure everyone in the Wolves hierarchy is uh, is really pleased with where they've where they've managed to get to. No, totally agree. I, t- I totally agree with that. Um, which kind of brings us on to January, Liam. And, and you know, we'll get, we're, we're in November now, so only a couple of months until... We, we love a good January window, don't we? It's, it's the favourite time of year. Third, 30 days, or was it 30? 30 days of September, April, June... Oh, 31 days. All the rest of 31, except for February. Do you remember that? Do you remember that song? No. No, you didn't learn that at school? <laughs> Actually, honestly, I've never known what the song... I, I know what it is, but I've never learned it. 30 days of September, April, June, November... All the rest of 31, except for February, that has... And then it's like 28 days, 20, I can't remember the end of it, but it's fine. February is weird. But anyway, January. 31 days. Um, Gary O'Neill said that he'd like to bring in players, or player players. There's been some reporting, and you know we've reported it obviously in the past. We, we all know about their want for a striker right at the back end. Didn't work out. There's talk of FFP and where... That stands in, in the January window now. Matthias Nunes, of course, going for, for big money to Manchester City. Does that change things? Where are Wolves in in terms of their thought process at this moment in time with Matt Hobbs, with Jeff Shee? Do you think going into January? with And has that changed, Liam, with the way that they've started this season? And perhaps, let's say, let's say going into January, they're around the same spot. Let's say 12th, 13th, 11th, and a decent gap between them and the bottom three. So, well, the short answer is not a lot has changed. <laughs> so I'll try to explain <laughs> why. On. I'll try yeah. to explain why, and then and then give you the reasons why it might change to to some degree. Although there are sure. a few things that you, that would, um, yeah, there are a few things that would need to happen. So, where wolves are at is that obviously we know from the summer they needed to make a very very hefty profit in this financial year, which runs until April. So. Obviously, FFP, which is obviously it's still you know widely known as, although you know officially it's the Premier League's profit and sustainability rules. If you want to be mm-hmm. uh, very precise, but um, I'll refer to it as FFP for you know so everyone's um, you know ease of understanding what I'm trying to say because it isn't, especially for us as well, it's not the easiest thing to get your head around because I don't think either of us are, uh, particularly me, are ma- mathematicians. So um, <laughs> there's a yes, I mean, we've done a lot of this already, but I'll go over it quite quickly. Hopefully, that will you know give people a, a, another rundown of, of where they're at. The, the three-year rolling period um, of uh, of adhering to the financial rules. Um, a club can only make a maximum loss over these three-year rolling period of 105 million. Wolves made around 46 in year one. There isn't the official um, announced loss for year two yet because that doesn't get announced until sometime around January, February um, coming up. I don't know why they announced it so late. Again, I'm not a, I'm not an accountant. So I don't know mm-hmm. why it's mm-hmm. such a late announcement, but that's the way that, that it works. So we don't know the exact figure, but the uh, reporting I've done, which is very similar to a lot of uh, other people have said, it's around 60 to 80 million loss it will be. Obviously, whatever the number is will change what the final number is, but it's, it's around that figure. Um, so those two added together is already over the 105 or it's there or thereabouts. So Wolves need to make a decent profit. You're probably looking at, again, an estimate of somewhere around the 10 to £15 million mark profit in this um, in this final financial year, which is the year we're in currently, which ends in April. Obviously, then we, we then won't hear what that actual number is until another year plus from now. But um, Wolves are in a, a good position because of how much they sold um, in, in the summer. Nunez's uh, sale added to that even more so and took them 
um, you would expect beyond the threshold. But there is still a, a cautious approach to it because it's not just transfer fees in and out. There's a lot of you know running costs and, and uh, wages, and there's loads. There's so many things that go into in, in, into this uh, into this final figure. And Wolves are in a good position because of all those sales, but they have to be cautious in January and can't just go out and and splash a load of money. So we know that they want a striker. Gary Neal wants a striker. They tried to get Che Adams. They looked at uh, Adia, at Salina Turner as well, and over in in, uh, in Italy. So we know that they, they want a striker. Um, how much they can spend and what they can do on that is very much up in the air because, again, there's expenses they would have had between the summer and now that would have changed the situation they're in. Um, but you would hope there'd be something that they can do to make that reality. Again, we know they, they, they're looking at wingers, Neto and Huang are the two real out-and-out wingers. Obviously, Neto injured at the moment as well. So they've not got a real depth in that um, in that position. So that's another one that they are going to look at. So there are positions they want and positions they will look at. But they can't go out all of a sudden just and just splash the cash. They've got to be cautious up until April. And then they'll have a bit more freedom then. But Nunes' sale does give them a little bit more freedom in January. So it's somewhere in the middle of, of where everyone probably thinks it is. And then equally... If there's some more outgoings in January, and there could be, you know, Fabio Silva's situation is very, very much up in the air with, with him not being involved at the moment. There's a few outgoings that could potentially happen, albeit I don't think Wolves want to lose many players. That could change it. And then equally, depends on where the, the, the team is in terms of performance. Mm. If out mm. of nowhere, Wolves are either 8th or they are 18th by, uh, by January, I think either of those are unrealistic. But let's say hypothetically... Um, Wolves will have to consider how much they push their spending to either push the club up the league because they're going for Europe or to try and stop them from dropping further down the league. Now, obviously, they still not... Wolves are adamant, and this is why the summer went as it did. They're still not going to break the rules, but they might push it slightly further for either, the, either of those two scenarios. So there's a lot of yeah moving parts as to what's going to happen, but a few of the... Um, and how much they're going to spend, but a few of the important things to remember coming away from this and things that are unlikely to change is that Wolves are very unlikely to go and spend a lot of money as it stands and alongside that they are actually in a still a slightly better position because of the Nunes sale so it's going to be somewhere in the middle I would if I was to make an educated guess right now but again with the the caveat that there's a lot of things that could change an educated guess right now would be they look to bring one or two in maybe but I don't think it will be very very high expense deals maybe a loan maybe a low transfer fee something along those lines but um, they've got a little bit of wiggle room but they still need to be cautious is the is the final takeaway message I mean would it be it's almost like if Wolves don't sign many players and don't spend a lot of money it's kind of good news because it means that Wolves are doing quite well Liam and if they do have to force into making a spend a little bit more money than maybe they perhaps wanted to and still be on the, the right side of that FFP then then maybe Wolves are are dropping down and they're looking over the shoulder. So I kind of hope that it's a, a quietish month. Is that is that? No, fair? I think it's, I think it's a good point. And we'll look at last January. They had to spend all that money and bring <laughs> oh six players goodness, in because yeah. they were going to get relegated if they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt Hobbs recently speaking publicly made a, a point <clears> which is um, yeah, I think is a good one that the majority of teams that have to spend in January are having to spend because they're not in a good position, and that's yeah. for the most part is completely accurate. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad thing if Wolves go and, and, and don't spend in January. I think there's arguably a couple of things they could do here and there with the team, but at the same time, they don't want to they don't want to break the rules and, and, and breach the rules. At the same time, as what we discussed last time in the in the um, in, in the last podcast, sorry, 
there's no precedent for a punishment for a team that has breached FFP. Mm-hmm. Everton are you know being investigated as an independent panel it's looking a lot at of noise it. Now, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of noise about that. If if and I'll, again I'll say if because it's not been determined yet, if they get found guilty and there's a major points deduction or some major, major punishment, Wolves will be vindicated in their decision to be very strict in adhering to the rules this summer. So there's um again a lot of moving parts that could change. But the the as it stands right now, the reality is they probably won't spend a lot, but they'll probably look at doing something. Um but again, a lot of things that go into it. And then equally in terms of outgoings, look Wolves will not be forced into selling Pedro Neto, but like with any player that, mm-hmm. that Wolves have, like Diego Jota, Diego Jota, like Ruben Neves, like any player, if a big money bid comes in, Wolves will consider it. That's just the reality yeah. of where Wolves are at as a football club and the the model that they want to have where they develop players into selling them onto big big profits like a Brighton does. So um, they've got no plans to, to lose him. They don't want to lose him. Uh, they won't entertain anything. Um, but if a major bid comes in, they will at the very least look at it. But that's that's normal. That's no. That's not anything different to what we should be expecting. No, I mean let's be honest, Liam. This is this is let's say this is the table going into January. This is the dream scenario for Fosun. This is great. This is, yeah, completely this agree. Is, this is teams who are teams who were predicted to struggle, who are struggling, who are already getting cut adrift. Wolves are very comfortable in the way that they're beating teams that they should get beat from time to time. Yeah, they're losing the odd game. They might be losing to the better sides, but they're getting the odd win out there as well. This is perfect. This is goodness me. We we don't have to spend. We don't have to panic. We don't have to pay overinflated costs like we did last January. Let's be honest. Like the play, they paid too much for Matthias Cudi. They did. I mean, they kind of freely admitted, but they had to do that to get players in. Leeds United were ready to buy, and they thought Leeds, Leeds thought they had Cunha, but Wolves paid X million pounds more than what. They had, and, and, and Cunha was all of, a, all of a sudden coming to Wolves. They had to do that to stay in the league, as you've just said. But if they can be 12th, 11th, 10th, 13th, and 12, 13 points away from 18th place, then they're in a fantastic position, not only with you know making small additions, not having to pay over the odds, not panicking, but yes, if, if so be a huge money bid came in for, for Pedro Neto, so to speak, then it might get considered because at the same time, if clubs do want them in January, they do want them to have be part of that second part of the season for a Premier League campaign to win it, for a Champions League push, they're probably going to spend more than they do in, in the summer when, when there's options there. So it can work both ways for Wolves, actually. It's very, very interesting with, the, with what's going to happen. It can all change. December's packed, tight, full. And we're going to talk about, there's a few questions about... Wolves losing players in January as well. So they've got to address that and they've got to look at maybe plumping out that squad a little bit more with some quality. But they want to be in a they're in a great position at this moment in time. And if they can continue to be in that come the end of January, then then I think they're in a in a, in a fantastic, fantastic space both ways. Yeah, that that would be my final takeaway from it actually, is that I think Wolves are in a really good position right now, not just Yes, they're having to be cautious still because they need to get through the the financial year um, in, until April. But the way that it's almost a dream scenario for the way that Wolves have managed to work under Gary O'Neill in the last few weeks and, and months. Because had it not been, had it not gone to plan, and had it been what maybe a lot of fans expected that Wolves would be in a relegation battle, and they would they would have needed to do something in January, that would have been very very difficult, and there would have been some real tough decisions to make. So. Yeah, I think Wolves are in a really good position and we'll be really pleased with the position they're in and it feels there's a lot more stability to to where the club's at. 
And if you get through this financial year, look, again, I don't think Wolves are going to necessarily go spend 300 million in a, in a in a summer, but they've got a lot more freedom after this financial year, and, and they can um, they can start to rebuild the squad uh, with a bit more depth. But so far, so good, you know. And, and they've got, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, they've got Gary O'Neill to thank for quite a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, tell you what, I've got to thank. Who I've got to thank for some beautifully cooked food, Liam. Kellentoastman.co.uk's air fryers because they are magnifique. What was the last thing you cooked in the in the air fryer, Liam? Or was it all boxed away now? Now you're living in, um, you know, with your sister for a little bit longer. My sister's. My sister's she got an air fryer, garden. and if so, um, why not? She she does. Luckily, it's actually oh. a better one than mine. So um, oh. so ours is packed away, but we've been using using her one instead. And what was the last thing I did? I think it was salmon. Oh, salmon. Oh, controversial, really? And an Mate, air fryer. I'll tell you what, it's banging. Really? Oh, yeah. Real good. Do you know what I found with the air fryers? Because obviously you can get, you know, you've got to, they're so easy to wash out. But I've bought these little paper thin, like, trays that you just basically plop in there. You stick whatever you want in there, all your meat. You bang it in. And then all of a sudden you just chuck the paper, paper bit out at the end and you've still got a clean air fryer. Because I'm lazy. I don't want to go to the sink. I don't want to wash it out and then put it back in again. This just takes away even less of the mess than you need to. Um, and Liam, we've got a fantastic one that is on offer at this moment in time. The Tower Digital Air Fryer with LCD display, 1500 watt, 4.3 litres. You can get a whopping load of stuff in here. I'm looking here at some beautiful fries getting cooked with a bit of rosemary and a little bit of truffle oil. It looks incredible. This is one of the top air fryers they've got, and we are giving it away with a predicted score later on. How's that? I mean, to be honest, I need an upgrade of mine, so I might have to get involved. This is nice. Um, what, I mean, look, they are expensive, but how much do you think for this one, for the Tower Digital Air Fryer with LCD display? LCD display. Black, all black, all chrome. Looks looks the business. It's like mm, 120. I, I mean, you're close. It is quite a lot this week. But no, go lower. <laughs> oh, God, you did scare me, though. I hate when you do that. <laughs> Uh, I'll go, go. Let's go 100 then. Oh, I tell you what, half it. You are joking. I'm not. 50 squid. I tell you what, take a fiver off. <laughs> I can't do that maths, mate. <laughs> 45 pounds for your tower air fryer. We'll be giving it away, but also, you know, if you don't get, if you if you're not a winner, go onto the site kettleandtoastman.co.uk. Go and click it. Add it to your basket. It can be delivered tomorrow for you. Why not? Go there. Go to the showroom. Go and get it today. But um, £45, what an absolute bargain. They've got so many of their fries as well. Uh, you know, and we've been there lately. It's a huge, it's a huge warehouse. You can have everything that you want in there for your new home or house, furniture, you know, fridge, freezers, cookware, outdoor living, personal care, floor care, appliances. But yeah, air fryers um, are definitely our way of just cheating a little bit. And I think it's the way forward. So yeah, get yourself involved. Kellentosaman.co.uk. Let's take some questions. From the beautiful people. Let's do it. Long one. It's a long one, mate. I apologise. It's a long one, this this podcast. But I don't regret it. Okay, here we go. First question. Um, Wolfpack says, as well as losing Ryanite, Nori and Bubakar Traore to the African Cup of Nations, I assume we will also lose Huang He Chan to the AFC Asia Cup from the early January till mid-February. You would assume South Korea probably favourites to make it all the way through to the final. So a lot of people... Asking about January and losing key players, Liam. Yeah, well, uh, thank God that um, Mario Lamina won't be going because Gabon didn't get through to the Fcon, did they? So boom, uh, <laughs> so boom, we're, get we're in buzzing. there. Um, 
Yeah, no, no, it's it's a it's a really good point, uh, especially the Huang one because I think it's gone a little bit under the radar that one. Um, so yeah, really important point with with all three players. Um, I don't think obviously in the summer Wolves couldn't sort of account for that because they can't just you know buffer the squad out with players that aren't going to play and then all of a sudden throw them in for January. So it is something that you have to you have to almost deal with at the time in January, which is quite hard to do. I don't think Wolves are going to be forced into you know, making three signings to account for three players being away for, you know, a few weeks. I think well, I would, it would... So to cut you off, I apologise to cut you off, Liam. What I would say as well is that if people remember, there is a winter break in January and actually they... Wolves only have two games in January. They're there away at go. Brighton and at home against Manchester United. There you go. You took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry, Perfect. sorry, mate. Sorry. Disgusting. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 exactly spot on. It's that and the fixtures and the way that you know, Wolves are going to deal with it, and I don't think they'll be forced into into making signs for that. I mean, look at and, and this was without a winter break, I believe. But look when Totti Gomez got brought back under Bruno Large because uh, Roman Sice and Willie Bolly were away for a few games. Mm. Um, obviously, that worked out pretty well for for Totti and for Wolves. But um, I think they'll look at not necessarily bringing someone back from loan because I can't think of anyone who would be a you know a, a perfect ideal scenario. But um, even if it's a loan player who needs to come back before going out on another loan again, and might stay for a few weeks. I think they did that with Ryan Giles on a couple of occasions, didn't they? And, and yeah. Morgan Gibbs White when he left Swansea as well. So there's a there's a few options uh, and a few moving parts there. I don't think it will be a case of making three signings though. I think it will be a case of uh, packing the squad out as best you can and, and getting through those games. Um, just diverting to you know potential players and, and and a squad game for those two games in January. That would actually work quite well for someone like Joe Hodge, who Gary Neal had said that he's he's gone in for an operation that he's probably going to be out. I think he said between eight and twelve weeks, did he? Um, yeah, he, he gave a sort of rough estimate, but yeah, you, you're looking at December, uh, you know, probably mid-December, yeah. maybe by the time he's back. So you think that maybe for that back end of January, that could actually be quite useful. As, I'm not saying starting him, but be available in that squad to help to help ease that pressure for those two games before the very end of that window, where I'm sure on January the 31st, February the 1st, they're looking at whenever the deadline is. Um, and they're getting the players back. Potentially, he's, he's had a couple of games where he's proven his fitness to maybe get on loan for that second half of the season. Yeah, yeah, he's a player I think will be targeting on loan if if there's not circumstances that mean he gets game time. Obviously, the the, the shoulder surgery is gonna is gonna put a big damper on that. So, um, yeah, there is an it, FA it, Cup game as well, by the way, a third round yeah, tie. But yeah, so it is an opportunity, absolutely, for for for, for someone like him, and and if the timings work out well, but. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something Wolves are going to be panicking over, really. No. Know, it's, it's something that they'll be able to deal with, I think. Uh, Cape Cod Wolves, no question, just eagerly anticipating this week's What Liam Keane Star Hates About America segment. Oh, well, it's only banter. I love America. It's all oh, that's... It's only uh, banter. Oh, come on. What do you hate about America? One more. No, I don't, do I don't like? No, I'm, I, do I said like? to you, um, actually, a while ago. No, Yeah, a few weeks ago. Um, that, you, that you weren't going to come to Vegas because you hated the country? No, 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 no. Oh. I'm... I'm I'm into my country music at the moment. I've been loving it. Mm. So, I'm, you know, I, I love America. So, what, who's your favourite country artist? Uh, Luke Combs. Right, okay. Interesting. Yeah, you thought I was going to have anyone ready there, did you? You thought you were going to few. There's a few people um, who are playing in Vegas headliners, country country music stars. There you go. I mean, I, I say that. I'm uh, by. I'm into country music. I mean, there's a couple of... Uh, random songs and then his one of his albums that Luke Combs album um, I, I don't I've not gone into a lot of different artists but I'm, I'm enjoying it and maybe I will branch out Keith Urban playing in Vegas at the moment mate could have seen him if you wanted to 
I, I think I've heard the name, but I wouldn't be able to name you a song or anything like that. Oh, really? Okay. Um, right. Uh, will Gary O'Neill win Manager of the Month, says Andy Matthews? That's a good question. He'll be in the running. Let's put it that I way. I think he'll be in the mix, won't he? Yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. be I, think, I think he'd be silly not to. Uh, Ian Newman, how many games do we have to wear our second and third kits? It would be nice to see us play an old gold in a way match sometimes. Oh no, I'm sure they. I'm sure they will. Uh, look, they've they've obviously contractually when with these these kits, they have to sort of wear the second and the third, you know, a certain number of times. And obviously, when there's clashes, they have to wear them anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that'll that'll be happening sooner rather than later. Um, there's quite a few questions about the Neto replacement. We'll, we'll we'll cover all those. I think when we preview the game coming up. Uh, Gail says Neto's fantastic, but has had several injuries. Would that put other clubs off, or do you think he will be gone in the summer? I don't think it would necessarily put clubs off massively. Um, I think it's something to, to consider, especially when you're potentially paying, you know, a very premium fee. But um, I, I don't think you can never say cut and dry. He's definitely leaving in the summer because he, there's a lot of things that can happen before then. Um, look at you know, the situation with Ruben Neves. There was you know, probably two or three summers in a row where he could have gone. So I, I wouldn't say it's cut and dry that he will go. I, th- I just think that the likelihood is someone at the very least test Wolves resolve quite heavily in the summer. So um, if Wolves get a fee that they're happy with and reinvest in the squad, you know, the club will move on and, and do that. So it's, um, yeah, it depends how, how the next few months go, really. And, and of course, he needs to come back from this injury and sure. keep performing. Yeah, exactly. That's correct. Uh, not only prove his fitness, but keep performing at the levels that he was prior. Uh, Steve Wolf in Bristol. What did you make of the Sphere in Las Vegas? The Sphere is a, is a concert venue that is um, beautiful, like very much um, high tech, high viz on the outside. I don't know whether you've seen it, Liam. It's like um, can change all these video screens and it looks amazing from the strip. It's just uh, connected to the Venetian uh, Hotel in Las Vegas. Amazing, Steve. Go, go in. Um, it, it's an amazing theatre inside. Um, absolutely the the technology that they've got in this kind of like imagine like an IMAX theater but but on acid that's 360 that's completely completely all around you and the the quality of what you are you you're looking at visually I'll send you a couple of videos Kino it's absolutely astonishing like honestly the HD what they can do these days with technology it's amazing and is going to be I think it costs two billion dollars to make so obviously uh, that's probably why they charge me two hundred and ten dollars for a forty-five minute show, but um, definitely Please. worth going to. Definitely worth going to. Um, Todd says, "Any apology from PGMOL for the howler of a VAR decision on Saturday?" So I don't believe there's been any, anything formally. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if there was maybe someone you know, informally been in touch with Gary Neal or Matt Hobbs or someone at Wolves perhaps but I don't think there's been I believe there's been anything formally to the club um, and I, I, to be honest I don't expect there will be I think there's scenarios where they where they try and justify <coughs> the, the decision and I think this is one of them where they probably will try and do that um, yeah so I, yeah I don't I don't see I don't see them doing that formally especially now being Wednesday and they haven't as far as I'm aware Gareth Hicks has Gary O'Neill recognised you yet? No, no, he hasn't, Gareth. No, he hasn't, and I don't blame him. And I don't think anyone in that position would recognise me. For people who don't, people who uh, weren't listening to the podcast, uh, when I was working for Middlesbrough, um, Gary O'Neill was transferred from Portsmouth to Middlesbrough um, and did very well actually over four seasons at Borough. Um, and I was working the website. He used to come into the website office for our interviews, etc. And I was a twenty-five-year-old snotty website employee slash Borough World 
asking questions and, and writing stories and earning not a lot of money and had long, straggly, low-light blonde hair in an Alice band. It wasn't a good look. It was a bad situation all around. Gary O'Neill probably didn't want to know me or, or does not want to remember me. And I don't think if I was any player, I'd recognise me. So no, he hasn't and he won't. It wasn't it, a good look. He won't though. until I mention it to him. No, no, he won't. And he'd be like, oh, he, yeah, yeah. And he goes, Judah, how are you, Absolutely son? not. It's I been a could while. Not, I could not have been any less insignificant in that situation. But it was, a, you know, we got, free, we got free lunches. Oh, my God, I, I've, I've got some... I've got some stories, can you tell you about some of the Middlesbrough lunches back in the day? Whoa. My oh, you can do goodness. one now if you want. My goodness. Ray Parler, George Botang. Oh, crikey. Um, oh, I'll tell you what I was going to say. I don't know why I should say it now. Shall I, say it? Shall I leave it? Shall, shall I say it? You, well, you, no, I'll you say can it. decide. Barbecue update, Kino. Oh, my word, okay. Barbecue update. So, I'm, going to move, I'm moving the goalposts here. Wow. I'm moving the goalposts. So I said, obviously, if it was a commiseration, worst case scenario, Wolverhampton Wanderers go down. I'm hosting a barbecue for the Wolves Potty listeners, okay? It's going to cost me thousands. I don't care. I'm <laughs> doing it, okay? Me, I'll be there. You'll be there, Keena. Of course, it's a free meal. You're Absolutely, going to be there. Crikey. Be there like... so, so I will be there and I will be true to my word. I'm always, and I think, Keno, we have a bit of laughing and a joke, but I'm always true to my word and I always follow through with something if we have to do it and I will do that. I'm, I'm moving the goalpost slightly. The offer still stands, Keno. The offer still stands of that situation happening. But I don't want it to be a negative situation all the time. Oh, well, if we go down, we get a free burger and a hog roast at Judas. So I'm going to make it, I'm going to up the stakes a little bit, up the ante. I'm going to re-raise. And I'm going to say, again, unlikely, but if Wolves made somehow any chance of making Europe next year, Europa League, Europa Conference League. I'm hosting the barbecue as well. Oh. It's an open ended. It's a double end. It's a double ended baby. It's double ended, and it's in. Barbecue is on. You're getting two dips, two lucky dips. Well, I, I think both scenarios are very unlikely. Well, you know, I don't but, want to cost myself thousands, but you'll in, take it. In theory, it doubles the chance of it happening. There's exactly. Less, there's less spaces in the uh, in the in the twenty division in twenty team league for. Uh, for Wolves to finish in safely without you spending spending some cash. Well, look, so, you know, Champions League goes down to fifth this year, probably, if Man City um, gets the quarterfinals, which they will do. So, um, as it stands, it could be eighth that gets a Europa Conference League spot, depending on cup winners. That means that Wolves are currently three points outside Europe. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I still don't think either of them are going to happen, but it's no, still. No, of course it, but not. It is well, I'm exciting, not going to give, give you it. I'm not going to put it on a plate for you, but no, still. But it is exciting. I mean, I can't wait to to have a you know some free food and some free beers at yours, uh, while uh, while no doubt some of your um, abuse of the week haters manage to get tickets and arrive. Oh yeah, I'll be lovely to your face, and then come and trash the joint. Brilliant, happy days. Oh, there's plenty of them. All right, Judy, you're at Kino. You're all right. All right, big fans of yours. As soon as your back's turned, absolutely, I can't stand that lad. Um, such is the beautiful nature of social media. But I know most of you who are listening to this are lovely people, so that's okay. Um, we were answered African Cup of Nations. Let's have a look. Um, it's the Weasel says, could Chiquinho play for us if recalled, or has he played for too many sides already this season? No, he can't. He'll be he'll be at um, 
I don't know how to pronounce it. I always struggle with the pronouncing this this team. <laughs> Familiar on. cow. I'm going to go with who? that. Who? Oh, don't do that. Don't, I hate it when you do that. Okay, whoever you know, you, everyone who listening, they, you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. He's obviously played for them, and he played for Stoke before that was cut, cut short again. So he's played for two teams. So he'll be in Portugal for the season. He won't. Be, he won't be recalled by Wolves. Or if, if, if for any reason there's a, an injury or he's not playing there and he comes back to Wolves, he won't be playing for the Wolves first team. Okay, Joe Thorne. When is a cold beer at its most satisfying? First one on a Friday after work or airport beer before a holiday? I think I've got two. Go on. One of them I agree with is airport beer before a holiday. Oh, you're definitely one of those, aren't I'm you? We've talked about this. When we, when we were travelling, I mean, you were looking for the weather spoons. You were looking for a pint at 7am in Portugal, wherever we were, Faro Airport. I mean, that's just, that's just you. That's yeah. just the culture, the brick culture. So that's that's one. Yeah. The other one for me would be, I think, your first beer in a beer garden when it gets warm. Oh, okay. When the, when the, okay. When the sun starts to shine, you're back in the beer gardens. Mm. You just Branded a glass. No is it, is there a favourite glass of yours that you like? Ooh. You know, like a nice a nice pattern or something. You're going to tell you what. There's nicking. A, there's a beer that's become quite popular in the last. I don't know, a few months or so. I mean, I'm sure people have a better timeline than me, but it's called Cruz Campo. It's a Spanish Never beer. Oh. That you, you can now find everywhere, pretty much. I mean, it, I, all of a sudden, you, no one had heard of it, and then, and then out of nowhere, it's in every pub. Um, Cruz Campo. Yeah. Oh. And their glass is really nice. Big fan of that. Otherwise, I, I, I don't mind the sort of you know a tall one, a Peroni glass and a Sahi glass. Maybe they're quite good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I, I just like all of them. <laughs> so. Uh, I'll take uh, it. Joe, I, I, I don't do I don't do beer, mate. But um, I do like a glass of cold glass of champagne on a Friday night. That's that's right. So fair enough. Come on, mate. Me and beer, absolutely no chance. Uh, let's have a look. Um, I think we're nearly there, really. Uh, Jarnold says, "Do you do you find feel this is kind of getting his the feeling of the Nuno era as the fans and team are becoming one again." Plays talking and playing with belief, which is making fans believe some seems a good moment to be in. Yeah, you said at the top of the podcast, um, mm. I agreed. I think it has got um, feelings or makings of that. I, th- I think you know you can't read too much into it because there's a lot of success that Gary Neal has to have to, to get close to matching what Nuno did at Wolves. But yeah, it has got that feeling. And I will relate it to... I think the work that Matt Hobbs and Wolves have been trying to do to transform the way that Wolves have worked off the field. And a big part of that has been bringing players in that want to play for Wolves, are either older with a point to prove or younger, hungry with a point to prove. Two two either sides of the the spectrum. And they've gone from players like Gonçalo Guedes, who day one arriving at Wolverhampton didn't want to be there. Jesus, Jesus, you okay? Now was that I was fine. It was just you, you, you just mentioned the name and I, I nearly gagged. Sorry. Day one didn't want to be at Wolves. No. And then you bring you look at a player like I mean I could, to be fair in this current team I could name quite a lot but I'll go with Jao Gomez because of the uh, free Jao Gomez movement um, mm-hmm. and he was adamant he wanted to come to Wolves because yeah. Wolves desperately wanted him and he didn't want to go to France because of it. So that's played a massive role I think in uh, in, in getting that feeling back. Brilliant. I've finished. Okay, great. Excellent. I thought you could have gone a little bit longer. But that was great. Um, thank you very much for your questions this this week. We absolutely love them. Really, some really good ones. And uh, the ones that you're asking about team news, we're going to discuss now. So it is Sheffield United. It is Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, looking forward to this one, Liam. 
because you're going to be driving. We're going to meet for breakfast and do our little pre-breakfast um, uh, chat with me, you, and Baloo, my little Pomeranian. So we will shall be we shall be having a, a little breakfast in in Dorridge at the Forest pre-game. Maybe we shouldn't have said exactly where we're eating. Maybe but, you know. maybe don't say exactly where we're going. <laughs> uh, somewhere somewhere in Dorridge uh, pre-game before we set off to Sheffield. Um, Interesting, by the way, that you, you've just announced there that I'm mm. the one driving, even though we had discussed. Oh, I think we had discussed. No, I was driving over to yours. I would, oh, okay. You, you knew well, 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 we'll toss a coin. We'll toss a coin. No, I don't mind driving. I just thought I'd raise that. Um, Unbelievable. So, big game. Of course, the big news is that Wolves will, will definitely will not have Pedro Neto for this game. He, he will definitely miss the game. Um, look, Sheffield United, one point this season. And yet, they have been in games until there's been quite a few games where they have you know lost late or... They've succumbed to a to a late ritual. They've taken the lead, end up losing it. So, you know, on paper, yes, Wolves should go there and win with or without Pedro Neto. I don't think it's going to be an easy game. Um, and of course, the big question is who replaces Pedro Neto. I've got four names here, and of course, it will depend on 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 the formation and what they use. I, I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll stick with the three at the back, Liam, and um, and go with that. But wow, well, they didn't actually the names- play. They, didn't, they played it. They- Played a four against Newcastle. You know, yeah, they did. So, they did. But, but, but I know what you mean in terms of the, the personnel. And, and Yes. Yeah. In terms of the personnel. Um, so I'll give you the four names that potentially could replace um, Pedro Neto in the side. And you can maybe discuss who you think is the most likely to. Number one, Pablo Sarabia, who has obviously bubbled very much under this season, but would probably be the, the like-for-like replacement, I guess, or the easiest one to go into the formation they've been playing recently. Um, however, out of favour and, and really out of form. Number two is Mr. Bellegarde, who was not in the squad, was was still, I think they were being overly, well, cautious with him anyway, let's say. Um, but if fit, would be someone who I think would be looking to start that game. Of course, you know, before he got that sending off, was in was in great form. Number three, Sasha Kalajic, who hasn't started yet, but has obviously had massive impact off the bench. Could he be... In there, Sheffield United, difficult game. Big, tall man. Could that be someone who maybe might surprise Sheffield United, but but he could be thrown on for 60 minutes. And the fourth person, again, someone from the outside looking in is Fabio Silva, who who could come in and, and potentially play a position and maybe Cunha drifting out wide. So out of those four players, who do you think is the most likely and what do you think Gary O'Neill will select? Well, here we go. Mm. I can see... Kalajic coming in and Cunha and Huang playing off him. Okay. I can see that. Mm. I can see Bellegard coming in and playing either as a midfield three, as a obviously a more forward thinking one, or playing um, off one of the flanks. Again, Huang is versatile, so he can play centrally with Cunha like he has been a little bit last couple of games, or he can play off on, on one of the wings. So that yeah. gives you a little bit of freedom there. But I'm going to throw this at you. I don't think he does Ooh. any of those four scenarios. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you what what, what what's going to happen. In the packs of midfield, are you, baby? Huang and Cunha will start together. Okay. Top two. It will be wing backs. It will be fives. Eight Nori and probably Tomato. I think mm. there's an argument. I think Tomato did pretty well actually against Newcastle. But there's an argument in without out and out wingers and just relying on wing backs. Do you want Doherty in there? But that's a you know. A question for Gary Neil, I'm sure, to, uh, to to figure out. But yeah. it will be wing backs. It will be them as a as a front two, and it will be a midfield three. But it will be Tommy Doyle who comes into the midfield. 
Oh, okay. okay. Wolves will have the majority of possession against Sheffield United, yeah. playing against his old club on loan from last season. I think Tommy Doyle comes in. People might see that as a as a you know you're going away from home and it's a negative. You're taking you're losing a netto. You're playing a midfielder, mm-hmm. but I think with Wolves having a lot of possession, you want someone to mm-hmm. control the ball, get it down, find the wing backs, find the forwards. I think I think that's got the potential. Um, so you would have Huang maybe playing. F- Higher up the pitch with with Cunha in behind him, um, more t- the two of them together rather than I suppose naturally Cunha drops off a little bit, so he probably would play a little bit off Wang. But yeah, I mean the two of them have been playing there in the last couple of games really anyway. Um, but different roles. I mean Cunha's obviously been more bringing into the coming into the midfield and and then and using it with allowing Huang and Neto space out wide, and and obviously Huang would be more central than what he's used to that he has been playing recently. So slightly different roles to both of them. Huang has been playing centrally the last two games, though. You know, he, he started centrally against Bournemouth, and then they changed yeah. after twenty minutes or so. Yeah, and most of the game against Newcastle, he played centrally. So um, maybe it's just his best work's done, maybe on the, you know cutting in or I think so. Right to be honest, I think he, I think off the left, he probably is better. But I can, yeah, yeah I, I can see that. I can see them doing that and, and playing Doyle and someone who to to get on the ball and, and have Wolves ticking over mm. because Wolves, it's, it's the onus is on them to break Sheffield United down. So. A lot of people said that this is a banana skin and that this would be time. typical Wolves to go to go there and get beat. Um, I, I, look, I mean, I think that they're playing with enough confidence that they shouldn't get beat there. And I think it would be obviously pretty awful if they went there and lost, I think, Liam, regardless of whether they got Pedro Neto or not. Is a draw a terrible result or not, judging by the fact that they've got one point this season, Sheffield United? Is it literally, you've got to win, otherwise it's a shocker? I don't think it's a shocker. I think it's a little bit disappointing, maybe. I don't know if that's been being a little bit harsh because you're going away. It's going to be. It's still going to be tough, even though they've been obviously awful so far. Sheffield United. The only thing I will say is, and I don't know the exact stats at the top of my head, but I think they've scored first in a few games, haven't they? A Sheffield lot United. of games. Yeah. yeah so there's always that danger of them scoring first and and Wolves finding it difficult to get back into the game. Um, I don't think it would be by any means a disaster getting a draw there. It might just leave a little, a few people a little bit. Again, maybe disappointed slightly strong, but just a little bit because the momentum meh. that they've built. Yeah, the momentum they've got. Maybe a little bit. Meh, it's a bit annoying, but move on, kind of thing. I, I don't one think it would be awful, but I don't think you'd be overly happy with it. One of those that maybe like if they'd had two or three defeats prior to this, and they were 16th, 17th, 18th, and they go there and have a draw. You would have, you know, had the. The, the burning sticks, you know, and, and, and rebelling, etc. But because they've done quite well, there's a little bit of goodwill in the bank that it's not a disastrous result if they go there and do draw. I mean, I think they should win the game, Liam, but I could also see it being a difficult afternoon out there. Yeah, no, I think so. Look, they've obviously been <laughs> terrible in terms of uh, goals <laughs> conceded scored, yeah. and points yeah. and you know, results and everything. Um, but how many times have we been here and... and Wolves have gone and handed three points over to to a team who can't buy three points at the moment. Mm. Um, we we had those same concerns about Bournemouth, and yes, Wolves didn't go there and bowl them over, but Wolves came away and won the game, um, and and on that second half performance, comfortably won the game. So I'm, I would like to think this is a different Wolves side now, and it won't be the, the same the same difficulties. But I think you've always got to go into these games with a little bit of trepidation, being a Wolves supporter or anyone following Wolves. So. Yeah, I I would expect Wolves to still win this, 
but at no point do I expect it to be easy. I don't expect it to be a Newcastle 8-0. I don't expect it to be an Arsenal 5-0. I don't expect it to be uh, a really comfortable afternoon. And if it is, you know, <laughs> we'll be a lot happier um, than, than thinking of the game right now. But no, I, I think it'll be... I think Wolves will find it difficult and it will be a tight scoreline, but it will be a Wolves win. I'm, um, I'm going to ask you for a prediction first and we're going to go with my prediction this week, Liam, because That's if we have gone with my prediction last week, which uh, you might remember, some people might remember, I went for a Desmond and uh, Desmond did occur, but unfortunately we went with your, your call of a 2-0 win. Uh, so we'll go with you and then we will finish with me and that will be for the air fryer, baby. And let's throw in... Uh, let's throw in a, a training top as well. How's that? Why not? Yeah. Okay. Feeling generous. Fair. People, have li- <laughs> if people listened all the way through. One hour and twenty-seven. So an hour and a half. An hour and a half recording, but uh, all good. Um, go with it. Let's have a look at your prediction, please. Keynote. Right. I think yeah. Fair, to, fair to let you have it, and I'm sure you will get it wrong. So oh, I will. <laughs> I will go. Sheffield United nil. Oh, come on! One. Come on! One nil. Come on! I'm gonna go for that. Come on. I take Love that. that. 100%. Wolves in the top half of the table. Flying. You're, you're getting sweet, squeaky bum time about the barbecue. Ah, I love it. Get that patio ready. Get that. Get, the, get those tongs polished. Excuse um, me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... I'm, I'm going to... Look, I'm, I, I hope that they'll win, but I've, I've had a bit of a bit of a mixed feeling about this for, for some time now. And so I'm going to go with the heart because I want people to win prizes. Points mean prizes. And I still think Wolves will pick up a point. I'm going to go Sheffield United 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 1 um, in this game. I know people might not like it, but that's what I'm going with. And that's what, uh, if you retweet myself, Kino, then you'll be in the hat. Don't need to do anything else. Spread the love. Don't need anything else than that. And spread the poly love and hopefully... Liam will announce you as a winner pre-game, and if it finishes 1-1, then all those gifts are coming to you. Thank you very much, Liam. I've, enjoy- I've really enjoyed this podcast. You know, there's the majority of them I don't, um, but I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting. It's been a different podcast. Plenty of, plenty of topics to discuss at different angles, and, you know, we're approaching an hour and a half, but um, I think this was, a, this was a good one. Any time spent with you in a podcast is a good one, my friend. Oh, look at that. You love to see it, don't you? You are a charmer. No wonder you had that string of women at a university. I mean, Excuse me? the lines like that are absolutely different class. Love it. Love to see it. Kino, I shall see you at uh, Compton on Friday for the um, uh, Gary Neal's pre-match presser. And then Saturday breakfast, me, you and Baloo before we go to Sheffield United. It's... Th- why would I want to spend the weekend with my wife when I can spend it with you? That's all I, that's all I want to do. What a lovely end to the podcast this has been. From me, from Kino, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. We shall see you all over the weekend. Three points, baby. Take care. Bye-bye.